Every once in a while, I'm taken back. I'm surprised when I hear about someone and something they did. So what happens is I'm in a conversation with somebody and we'll be talking about this individual and say, you know, that's just not like him. He's the last person I'd expect to do that. It's a surprise because it's so out of character for that person. Well, welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And we're in this study on how to discern the voice of God. So today we're going to talk about character. Specifically, we're going to talk about God's character. So joining me for this conversation is certainly someone who is a character, Chris Johnson. Hey, Lynn, thank you very much. It's uh, always good to be with you. Uh, we're delighted today to have Richard Blackaby with us. Richard is the author of the study that we're looking at, How to Discern the Voice of God, and is uh, co-author of Experiencing God. Uh, Richard, thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Oh, it's always great to be with you, Ben. Now, Richard, you are uh, you head up Blackaby Ministries, and and I know you do a lot of traveling and a lot of speaking just for the fact that I don't know how many weeks we've been trying to schedule a time just to meet with you to do this <laughs> podcast. You are a busy man, but tell us about that. What about the heart of Blackaby Ministries? Well, my dad Henry Blackaby, that of course originally wrote uh, Experiencing God and and promoted so much of those uh, wonderful teachings. Uh, when he retired uh, at retirement age, he f he founded uh, Blackaby Ministries International, and uh, basically that just gave him a platform to go around the world, helping people know how to experience God, how to know His will. And uh, eventually, I was brought in to lead that ministry, and so I've kind of been swept up into what what God began with my father. And uh, and I tell you what, you can't go anywhere in the world without people wanting to know how to experience God, and so. Our little ministry has uh, provides books and teaching and all kinds of resources, but uh, it keeps me on the the, the road. I, every time I I come home and go visit with my dad, uh, he says, "Where have you been?" I said, "Dad, this is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you you got it all started." I said, "He, he, he and then is, he sometimes has the audacity to tell me I should slow down." I said, "Well, Dad, I, I don't recall you ever doing that." <laughs> but there's just so so many places that really want help and encouragement to know God. And so it is a privilege to get to do that to just uh, full time. That's great. Thank you. And if I can just add a personal note, Chris, let me just tell you this about Richard. Uh, uh, Chris, you know my personality. Richard has worse puns than I do. <laughs> I will just leave it at that right there. It's, it's a spiritual gift. Yeah. A good pun is its own reword. So um, uh, let me just say with that, uh, I'm not sure of either one of your character. I just have to tell you. All right. Well, what we want to focus on today is God's character. Remember, remember keeping context, we're thinking about this idea. How do I discern the voice I'm listening to? Is it the voice of God? So what we're going to focus on this uh, this podcast is that God never calls us to do something that is outside his character. And we're going to look, at, I think, at a wonderful passage in Exodus 34 and the Lord's conversation with Moses. But I think it's important before we get into Exodus 34, we need to get a little background on what's happened right before this. Uh, Richard, can you bring us into the context here? Yeah, well, you know, of course, we know one of just the worst mistakes uh, that God's people have ever made. Uh, God comes to a whole bunch of slaves in Egypt and miraculously delivers them, guides them, provides for them, protects them, does everything that they need for him. And yet Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai to get to the law uh, given to him by God. 
And he's not gone all that long before the people start to rebel and want to create their own God, their own golden calf. And they rebel against uh, God after all that he's done. And uh, Moses comes back with the, the, the tablets of stone and the Ten Commandments and so on and gets so upset that he hurls them to the ground, breaks them. And, and at that point, he, he and God have got to talk about what to do with these people. Uh, God is ready to just obliterate them all and just start a whole new people over with Moses. And it's uh, some of the most powerful, powerful moments in uh, in the history of God's people and and Moses is fed up as well. He 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 pleads for their lives, but he's tired of leading them. And ultimately, Moses, I feel like Moses just says to God, "The only way I can keep leading this uh, difficult people is I need a fresh encounter with you, God. I need to see your glory." And I, I I've met a number of leaders. I've been there myself. Where at a certain point, if I'm going to keep going, God, I, I can't keep functioning on a call you gave me 20 years ago. I I need a fresh encounter with you as well. And so when uh, Moses comes back, uh, meets with God again, part of what that experience involves is encountering God in a way he never had before. And to me, it's quite striking because if you're Moses and you have parted a Red Sea, you've called 12, 10 plagues down upon Egypt, you, you've talked to a burning bush, you'd think that you'd seen it all at that point. Uh, but 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 Moses knew better than anybody, there was still a whole lot about God that he had not experienced and he wanted to. And I'll tell you what, I wish we all had that same hunger to say, I've been a Christian 40 years, 50 years. I, st I know there's still more of God to experience. And so that's some of the context here is, is Moses needs that fresh encounter. He knows there's a lot more of God to experience. And, uh, and, I, I, and I think that that makes, puts Moses in a very unique place where just a few people like him, as much as he knew of God, you, most of us could just rest on our laurels, write a book about our burning bush experience and be viewed upon as an expert in knowing God after that. But Moses knew there was still a whole lot more he didn't know either, but he really wanted to. And we're certainly going to see that as we get into Exodus 34. And the focus we want to pull out of these, at least the first five verses, is really to see the holiness of God, that God's holy, and he establishes a covenant relationship with his, his children. So let me, let me just read the first five verses, and then I'll turn it back to you too. The Lord said to Moses, cut two stone tablets like the first ones. And I will write on them the words that were on the first tablet, which you broke. Be prepared by morning. Come up Mount Sinai in the morning and stand before me on the mountaintop. No one may go up with you. In fact, no one should be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and herds are not to graze in front of the mountain. So Moses cut two stone tablets like the first ones. He got up early in the morning. And taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai, just as the Lord had commanded him. And the Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. So, uh, Richard, talk a little bit about the significance of the term, the Lord. Uh, we uh, know that this is the same word for God that God revealed to Moses uh, went at the burning bush that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and that's, uh, it, of course, there, there's various names for God throughout the Bible that are used, and they, they can all refer to him. But but the word Lord became the most revered of all the names of God. It, it represented the covenant that God did make with his people. He would be their Lord, uh, God, and they would 
serve him and follow him. And so that was, uh, and God was revealing more and more of who he was, his character. Uh, The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, had related to God with different names for the most part. And uh, they knew God and they walked with him. But but now Moses and the Israelites are getting an opportunity to to go even to a deeper places with God. And so, of course, in the Bible, your name represented your character. So if you knew someone's name, you actually knew what they were like. And if you if you were enemies that and you knew what they were like, that might give you an advantage over them in some way. But if you're walking in covenant with someone as a friend, that lets you know uh, how to relate to them, how to get closer to them, how to experience them fully. So when God reveals his name, he's He's basically inviting you to say, this is what I'm like. Now come and experience me this way. You point out uh, that earlier after the golden calf incident, God had told Moses, he says, look, I'm going to send an angel. He's going to go with you, but my, I myself, I'm not going to go. And I think it's interesting that Moses realized he needed God himself, that without God going with him, they were going to fail. They were going to be destroyed. And so their only hope was that the holy God would forgive their sin and renew his covenant with them. Yeah. And of course, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Uh, It's not just getting your name written into the book of life. It's relating to the person of Jesus Christ. And and Moses understood that even in the Old Testament time. I mean, an angel could go in and obliterate your enemies. All you needed was a death angel in front of you. He could wipe out enemy soldiers in front of you. But if you didn't have Holy God with you to help you restrain yourself from sin, to to be made right, to to unify you, uh, they would just self-destruct as a people. They, they could maybe win all their battles against outward enemies, but they couldn't win the internal battles of lust and greed and anger and unforgiveness they needed a holy god to be able to help them do that and and moses understood that full well um and of course that's a lot of our challenges oftentimes we want the blessings of god without god we we want god's power without god's holiness uh and moses that that would have been a great temptation you get all the 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 power of an angel to win your battles but you just don't have the loving relationship with God anymore. And Moses was quick to recognize that's a sorry trade. I, I don't want just the power of God. I want the love of God, the relationship with God. There's a whole lot more to God than just getting your prayers answered. There's a It's based, basically a relationship with the person of God. And Moses wasn't going to settle for anything less than that. That's great. And if I can call it this, to me, there's a attention that happens here. I mean, it's this passage, there's a, you see God's holiness, that this is, this is God. Yeah. And you see how hard it is, how hard it is for an unholy people to relate to a holy God. It's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's very clear from these chapters. Yes. And as holy as he is though, there's that covenant side of this, that he wants to have a relationship, the almighty, all powerful, sovereign God of the universe. And he wants a relationship. Uh, just as uh, the intimacy and the reverence for God there just said, uh, what a great juxtaposition of those two together. And he's so patient and, and so gracious. Uh, he should have wiped them all out. Uh, the audacity to rebel against God after all, all he done, yet he keeps on loving, keeps on working with them to help them become what he knows they could become. So God has come down, he's in this cloud, and as it says there in verse 5, and he stood there and proclaimed his name, the Lord. But when you come to verse 6, it says, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the Lord. 
The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquities on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. I think it's outstanding for us to have the opportunity to to read these words and to see that when Moses said to God, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me, I want to experience your glory. It It's these aspects of God's character, who he is that Moses talks about. We, we never hear Moses or we never see the words of Moses where he's saying, so I was in this cloud and uh, this is what I saw. What he experienced was the character of God. Yeah. And and God had to reveal it. You know, you can't discover God's character. He's got to reveal it to you. Um, and, and he does here. And I, th- I think this is just one of the most sacred, profound passages anywhere in the Bible, certainly the Old Testament, because people are always wondering, well, what is God like? Is he judgmental? Is he harsh? Is he legalistic? And here's a place where clearly God says, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm like. I'll tell you what my character is like. So you don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. And and it is interesting if you look at all that he slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, faithful. Um, that This is how God... Yeah, like this is how God himself views himself. This is how he, if when God himself is being asked, in essence, what do you like, God? He says, well, this is what I'm like. And he's telling us right here. So, you know, this is bedrock. If you ever just want to know what God is like, here is one of the best places to find out. There's other places in the Bible where other aspects are revealed, but this is the bedrock where God himself tells you what he's like. And you really want to take some time uh, there. And, and and it is interesting too, isn't it, that he's gracious for a thousand generations and he judges sin to the third and fourth generations. That, that ought to tell you which way he leans. You know, he's, he's, he's perfectly holy and he's perfectly loving, but he's saying, I'll love and forgive you a thousand generations. Um, but if you, if you mess up, it, it can cost three or four. Uh, the, the, it's, he's just as holy as he is loving but you can tell what he prefers to do right there. Sure. I'm amazed with people, and I'm sure you've heard people say this too, that they like to read the New Testament because Jesus is so loving. I just, they like that picture of Jesus. And and, and I, it was actually a pastor's wife said something like this to me. It wasn't my wife, but said, <laughs> yeah, I just don't like to read the Old Testament because God is just so judgmental in the Old Testament. And I just want to say, have you read it? <laughs> yeah, I know. We and, and of course, this is one of those bedrock places where God himself says, this is what I'm like. And of course, the, the great command of, of the Old Testament was, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, strength. The, the, the key passages that talks about the nature of God, God does not highlight the fact I'm going to judge you. I'm going to punish you. He, he will because he's holy, but that's not how he that's not what he makes prominent when he starts to reveal his heart to his people uh and yeah and i so i i think some of the most loving passages you'll find in the bible or in the old testament where you get right to the heart of now he's dealing with evil nations and evil people and sinful rebellious people of his own and so he's dealing with that appropriately and so there's a lot of that because people are always sinning always rebelling but when you when you pull God aside and just say, but God, just heart to heart, tell me what you're like, you get these kind of passages and they're 
They're breathtaking. I'm reading through, going through the minor prophets right now. And, and of course, there's those calls of judgment to, the, to both nation of Israel and to uh, to Judah. You know, basically, you need to get your act together or else you're going to it's 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 going to be bad yet in, in those minor prophets statements there is that heart of god's why is he doing it? he's wanting to call them back and he says you know how, how can i not love you there's just that call uh, of his grace to come back to me yeah like the end of hosea you know god says here's all the indictment here's all the case against you but then even when it's time to bring judgment he'll say but how can i do that how can i i, I don't want to do that he says i don't want to judge you i want to forgive you and he's all but pleading with his people don't you know return while there's still time and there's some really profound places where god just bears his soul and says i will judge you if i have to but i'm doing everything possible to to prevent that and to have you turn back to me first beautiful words abounding in faithful love the that hebrew word hesed abounding in truth mm -hmm. forgiving so to to know that the heart of god the character of god is to be forgiving speaks volumes to us yeah and when you see a, a christian who is uh controlled by feelings of guilt um feeling that they can never measure up to God. Uh, I'd say you, that then if you're feeling that way, it's because you don't know God well enough. You don't know how he's revealed himself in his word. Because when God, when, when you see how much he longs to forgive you, make you clean and forgiven, then you, you shouldn't be carrying guilt around anymore after you've asked him to forgive you, you've repented, uh, unless you just don't know his character well enough. And so, there, there, you know, there, there, there's a lot of folks that, just the way they talk about or relate to God tells you that they don't know his character as well as God would like them to. And when we discover that character, when he reveals himself to us, our response to that is it, it, it's a draw to repentance, a draw, uh, drawing us just to worship him. You see this in verse 8 of Exodus 34. After God has revealed his character, Moses immediately knelt low to the ground and worshiped. And then he said, my Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, my Lord, please go with us. Even though this is a stiff neck people, forgive our iniquity and our sin and accept us as your own possession. That's interesting that God has already told Moses, okay, I'll go with you. But Moses, after this experience, uh, worships God and again says, please, we we need you you have to go with us forgive us and god's response is to in in kindness say to him yes i'll go with you yeah it's interesting too you know we you, you read that earlier but uh moses has to climb to the very top of a mountain to meet with god and then it says god had to come down to the mountaintop to meet with him it's like <laughs> you get to the highest place you can as a person and god still has to stoop uh to relate to you and get to you and but then Moses, uh, significantly, verse 8, kneels down as well. He humbles himself. And I, I think he, he's just overwhelmed. He's known God before, but this fresh revelation of the love of God just confirms in him how desperate he is not to go anywhere without God. And, you know, I, 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 wish, uh, I wish we all, even as Christian ministers and, and church leaders, were as desperate to not try to do anything unless we knew for certain that God was going with us. Well, you said it well earlier, Richard, and the fact that we all need a fresh encounter with God. Even those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, had incredible experiences with Him, we still need these moments ourselves. 
Yeah. I, I, I you know, if Moses and people and David, Abraham, people like that still need a fresh encounter with God, then, uh, if the apostle Paul, after all he had done, said still everything else I've ever done is rubbish compared to knowing him, then I think we we need to realize we have not arrived yet. <laughs> we there's a whole lot more of God. We we need to ne- never lose the hunger to know God better than we do now. And as we hunger to know God, and as we get into His Word and just see His character again anew and anew. That really helps us as we're trying to de- determine God's voice from all the myriad of other voices that are trying to speak into our lives, because God's voice will always be in line with his character. You know, I, I had someone uh, a while ago uh, invite, invite me and my wife to do something, and uh, I, I I declined, and they said, but they, they, there was a really wonderful opportunity uh, and they, they couldn't believe it. And they said, well, you haven't even asked your wife yet. And I said, well, I know my wife. I don't, I know that she will decline this invitation. Well, he said, I can't believe that. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And aren't you going to at least check with her? And I said, well, I've, I've been married to her a long time. I know her voice. I know her character. I know her likes and dislikes, but he insisted. I said, well, I'll go ask her. But, and so I said to, to Lisa, I said, now we've been invited to do this. Before I could even say, I, d- I turned it down. She said, well, you know, I don't want to do that. I said, well, yeah, yeah, I do know that. That's what I told him. But what I, when you know someone's character, then you, you, you know, you recognize and you know what their word is and what it will be because you know it comes from their heart. And so the best way to understand God's word is get to know his heart. And, and then when he says, thou shalt not, you don't think of him as a legalistic, God who's trying to rob you of joy, you know he loves you and he's trying to protect you from harm. And But if you don't know his heart, then a lot of his word will seem confusing to you and Satan will be able to distort it. So that's why if you go to his heart and, and his character, then his word makes perfect sense because it's perfectly aligned with who he is. Our hope and prayer for you who are listening to this podcast is that you will have a fresh encounter with God, that the Folks who gather with you in Bible study will have that same fresh encounter with God as we come into his presence and uh, look into God's word to have God reveal to us his character. So we hope this is a dynamic uh, opportunity of Bible study for you as you gather with your group this week. Speaking as a as a teacher myself, Bible Say, teacher, uh, don't settle for people just having a fresh encounter with your lesson <laughs> or, with, or with their teacher. Never stop short unless they're walking out of the, the, the Bible study hour with you saying, I, I just had a fresh encounter with God. Well said. Chris, Richard, thank you for a, a good, a robust conversation. And we're confident that as you get in your groups, uh, wherever you are across our country, that you will have a robust conversation too, as you can consider this thought of how we're discerning the voice of God. Hope you have a great study. <music>